let there be darkness. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Welcome, Dan. How's it going? Mo Walker, welcome. Hi, everybody. Mel is not with us today, so it's an all-guys podcast, but we'll dive into some of the shows that have caught our attention over the past two weeks. Now, I know both of you have been watching Daredevil. I have not completed it. I don't think Mo has, but he's farther ahead of in it than I am. Meanwhile, Dan has finished it. So, Dan, what did you think of the season overall? This might be the best Netflix Marvel season to date. I am not exaggerating when I say that every episode, like, unravels the mystery even more or adds intrigue or everything delivers. All of the actors bring it. Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are so good as Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk that it is unreal. Um, JLE as Agent Nadine is just a, a find. Um, but Wilson Bethel as Agent Poindexter, a.k.a. Um, oh, Bullseye. Yes, he's eventually like so he's on the path he, to becoming Bullseye. He's on the path to becoming Bull. I, I think everyone saw that coming. Right. Um, but we yeah, knew he eventually... we knew he would be good in this because we saw him play a psycho on the young and the restless back in the day. That's that's true. <laughs> Although I mean, this is completely... I mean, he's doing a fantastic job and not in any way, shape or form to take away from it. But we knew he was up to the task. He like this is literally if Ryder when Ryder left Genoa City and became an FBI agent. This is what happens because I like. There's so many similarities between the two characters that it's just like, all right, where? Oh, I almost said, "Where's Daisy?" Oh no, oh no, Sheila Carter. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, Sheila Carter, obviously, but like Daisy was. We the... are not going to discuss Daisy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But needless to say, the season is so so good. I loved, 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 loved. Uh, the focus on Karen this season. She is such a dynamic character and getting to learn more about her backstory. It was just so gripping and really made you care about the character even more. Uh, I even really like the side characters like the priest and the nun or they're super great. Um, what did you think of the escape from the prison? Oh my gosh. What a well shot masterpiece. And the fact that they were able to do that all in one take just speaks volumes to how just evolved this show has become in becoming like this well-oiled machine of like, all right, we have to do this all in one take just as we normally do. This is what we do. And they, it's just like clockwork. They make sure the choreography is down pat and all of the pyrotechnics necessary because there was smoke, there was 
like fires started. There was all sorts of things. It was crazy. It was amazing. And I loved every second of it. I'm so excited for more. Um, if they were to do a season four, which I hope they're going to do a season four, but I'm also very scared that Netflix is actively trying to kill this show because spoiler alert, they're not actively advertising it on their platform. You have to search daredevil in order to find daredevil. And I wonder, I wonder if that's Netflix or I wonder if that's ABC. Um, or not ABC, but Disney. Uh, where would this rank among the Marvel seasons for you? Is it a top three? Is it a top five? Where would you It's number one. Better than the original Daredevil season number one? It's better than the original Daredevil season number one. It's better than Luke Cage season one. It's better than Jessica Jones season one. For me, this is number one. Uh, Jessica Jones is, or season one is number two, and Luke Cage season one is number three. Mo, that's high praise. What are you thinking so far of the season? Well, I think Dan just really just stuck the landing. I mean, I'm you know I only have four episodes to go, and everything that that Dan is saying just it just speaks volumes for the show. It's it clearly whatever that sophomore slump was and to be perfectly honest the second season of daredevil i don't think was that bad it was just too many ninjas it was but too many ninjas third... and they broke they broke it up into three parts which sucked yeah I, but i feel like it was the it was to me it was just it was just felt so repetitive and i think a symptom of that was the ninjas but i feel like with this um you can see where they've kind of broken this up into a three part in the three parts at, at this point, because you got the first act where it's literally Matt picking up from the events of the Defenders and trying to get himself back together. Wilson Fisk, you know, is positioning himself, uh, cutting a deal with the FBI and, and, and so forth. Uh, and and you see with um, Wilson Bethel's character, Dex, you see early on the kind of evolution of, of him becoming Bullseye. And then by the mid section i would say post episode six you kind of see how you know why uh dex is kind of aligning himself with the kingpin with with uh wilson fisk and you know we're kind of about in a and at this point because where i'm at you're kind of starting to see where um matt murdoch karen they're kind of gravitating back towards each other, especially um, Karen and Karen and Foggy were already were, were pretty much in lockstep, but they're kind of gravitating back towards Matt. And I, if you all are not familiar with the comics, I suggest reading the story arc called Born Again, which a good chunk of this comes from. Um, it's really, really good stuff. I, I I agree with um, Dan, what he was saying about what and what you said, Luke, as well about Wilson Bethel. I mean, my God, it feels as if literally you might as well could just say Sheila Carter was his mother. You right, know, because given right. the backstory that we have with Dex, you could very easily like slide that, you know, that whole General City uh, YNR backstory uh, for Ryder into decks and keep it moving because my it just it just felt so natural for Wilson Bethel to to 
to be this awkward FBI agent who who I think he's he it feels like this character is a little bit on the spectrum. Do you guys did you guys get a sense of that? A little, a, a little. little. Either I, that or he's majorly obsessive. I will <laughs> say Tom Fisher could have been his dad easily. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> terrible Tom. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Riverdale. Riverdale had sort of a flashback episode that says it was supposed to be from the '90s flashback, but it felt very much like the late '80s. Um, maybe I'm wrong in my memory of the '90s, but it felt more '80s to me. Um, I actually enjoyed this episode. I really liked how the parents' story was told of this whole mystery, um, goblins and gremlins or whatever they're calling it. The parent dynamic and the parents come, like reuniting has been my favorite part. I've been less in, interested in Archie and Veronica and all of that mystery. And but for the parent side, I love those flashbacks. I need like twice a year to have there be parent flashback episodes portrayed by the actors who play Archie, Veronica, Betty, and Jughead. That was wonderful. I thought that it was well done. It was well acted. And then it brought it back to the present to leave it with the cliffhanger of Betty showing up and seeing all those people play, continuing to play the game. I really thought it was well done. Dan, what'd you think? I absolutely loved it. I thought everyone did such a fantastic job. Uh, I will say they need to use Michael Consuelos more. I feel like they didn't give him quite enough. But then again, uh, Hiram's not necessarily part of the original like Midnight Club experience or whatnot. Seeing... Uh, Madeline Page play Penelope was incredible and then when she said her last name was Blossom I'm like huh and then she explained it all and I'm like oh it's so much worse than we thought right oh no <laughs> well there's another daytime connection to uh, the the podcast today Kelly Ripa is going to be on Riverdale playing Mark Consuelos's mistress on the show Hi Hiram. well Hiram Lodges <laughs> but I'm just saying Mark Consuelos <laughs> is having his wife come in to play his mistress on the show so Hiram <laughs> is going to have a mistress portrayed by his real life wife Kelly Ripa which those two if you've watched them on live are wonderful if you've watched them in the various shows that they've been on together they always play off of each other extremely well I'm looking forward to it immensely same okay uh Mo. The Gifted is back. I'm an or not back, but the the Gifted continues. I'm an episode behind. So what took place in the last episode and how did you like it? Well, I think it would well, I'm going to say that I th overall I think that we were learning more about the Morlocks and I'm not sure if if you've seen that episode in which the Morlocks kind of return and the leader of the Morlocks um ask Blink to um, or Clarice, and she kind of officially gets her her X Men code name, which is Blink, to steal um, some supplies for the Morlocks in order to um, bring in as in exchange for um, the Morlocks willing to accept all the mutants that was rescued from that asylum, and then again we picking up, we also got a little bit more insight into 
the uh, inner circle, the Hellfire Club's inner circle. And we're starting to see some fractions and divisions within in, within the, that the inner circle because clearly Polaris doesn't like not knowing what's going on. And I think Polaris is going to end up being a little bit of a wild card. Um, keeping in mind, and honestly, that tracks with how the character is in the comics, specifically during the ni- during the 80s and 90s. Um, one of my concerns about the gifted is that I feel like they've been trying to build towards something that we don't really know what the inner circle's ultimate goal is. At one point we thought it was kind of hinted upon that it was some sort of mutant homeland, which if you are familiar with X-Men comics, you would automatically assume it was like Genosha or um, Magneto's uh, Asteroid M or something like that. We need a little bit more information. I think that it's just it's just not it's not doing enough to drive that plot forward. I do like the storyline with Reed um, trying to come to terms with his powers and so forth. I'd like to lo- learn a little bit more about his powers. I think the second season of The Gifted overall is it's okay. It just doesn't feel like it's moving fast enough i i will say i like what they're doing with um introduce the purifiers which is another mutant hate group agent jace who who was with the um federal mutant bureau in the first season he's joined this group called the purifiers has hint uh, uh, twinges of some sort of alt-right type movement um specifically aimed towards mutants i'm in very interested in seeing how that that storyline progressed like i said it's it has me intrigued. I wouldn't say it's it's not brilliant. It's certainly not Daredevil in terms of like how much I'm engaged and interested in watching this show. Dan, uh, la- last episode we talked about the chilling adventures of Sabrina, but you weren't on the episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, what did you think? I I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's definitely a different take, um, but. I really, I find this one fascinating, uh, just in comparison to uh, the original Melissa John Hart stuff, and how much it's leaning toward it, the, like the comic origins uh, from the Archie comics back in the day and whatnot. Um, I'm really looking forward to watch more. I'm only about halfway through. I really don't care about any of the human characters, though. Maybe, maybe that's just me. That will come like, into focus by in the last half of the season. Okay, good. Because right now, like Harvey, Roz, and Susie, I'm just kind of like, I I would rather have Sabrina at the uh, the the other school like a lot more often. Just yeah. just throw that out there. Um, it def- it more- definitely comes into focus in the last three episodes. They it take they. They're a little bit slow in laying the groundwork for the non-magical characters, but by time you get to the last two, maybe three episodes, all of those things have come in, into focus, and it works with the finale. Okay, good. That's good to hear, at least. Yeah, no, it's it's a good time. Mo, have you, are, are, have you finished it yet? No, no, no. I'm, I'm about half... I'm halfway through, um, and I'm... Honestly, I had to. I just didn't have time this week to go back to it, which which is a shame. It's just uh, so many riches on Netflix right now between this and Daredevil, 
um, and even some British stuff that they've started dropping on uh, Netflix. It's just it's just too much to to consume. Um, I do wonder if the reason why the human characters, why it was somewhat slow, a little bit of lag in between uh, us kind of getting them getting us more engaged with those characters is because the, uh, the show already knew it had a second season. So they figured that we just front load everything with the magical characters first and then come back to them well, humans later. And I wonder if that's also not a, like a, a bigger story arc thing, because I was listening to the who on the week podcast, sci-fi wires podcast, which I highly <clears> recommend <throat> if you just want a great discussion about geekdom. And they had an interview with one of the writers and they were talking about the fact that it was a two season or a 20 episode deal and they've already started on the second season, the, the second 10. Well, if you know you're writing 20 episodes, you can have a finale at episode 10 and then just keep on building. You don't necessarily have to. You, you have the luxury of time for having a finale at episode 10 and then an episode 20 if you know you have two seasons to write all at once. And I, I sort of feel that that's what took place with the humans, if that makes sense. Yeah, it it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, um, Mo, there is a new show on the CW, which I don't, I can't remember if we discussed it last week or not, or last episode or not. But Legacies, the spinoff of the originals, which was the spinoff of the Vampire Diaries, it has been airing, and I'm enjoying it. There have been some things that are like. Hope is a little bit too Klaus for me sometimes, but, and the blonde twin, Caroline's daughters, which why in the world have we not seen Caroline? Still annoying me. Um, The blonde one is a little bit spoiled, petulant, like, but a crybaby at the same time, which is annoying. I, but for the most part, I really enjoy the cast. Um, I, want to see the one that causes all the like the pot stir i want to see more of her i don't know her name she gives me definite cordelia vibes what are you thinking of legacies it feels like it's basically like x-men meets harry potter and and i'm like totally in love with this show it's like Uh, it's like but it it, to me to me it's like harry potter meets gothic okay because the vampires yes and i'm i I'm going more, I'm thinking in terms of X-Men in the classic sense of Xavier's Gifted School. Uh, yeah. Um, and it, it's it's a school for, char- you know, different characters and, and um, every, well, people with uh, abilities. I, I, now, I do agree with you when you, you, were, you were referring to Blonde, uh, Saltzman Twin, you're referring to Lizzie. Now, I do find her... She's my least favorite. She's my least she's, favorite. Yeah, she's slightly annoying, but in but you know what? What she reminds me of, she reminds me of Caroline from, er, from the early episodes of the Vampire Diaries. Oh, see, I never like I always liked Caroline from get go, so that she doesn't remind me of her at all. Really? Okay, it just and just in some it just feel just her exchanges with her her sister and with Josie and um. The other uh, MG, the the black vampire kid, and it just feels like the way in which she treats them reminded me so much of like Caroline, the first 
season of Vampire Diaries, I, I, and I just kind of, I don't know, for some reason, I, I've drawn comparisons. Um, but, and speaking of Caroline, I mean, I've read some things about um, we will learn wh- what's going on with Caroline. Caroline, they've been kind of, you, you hear, now, if you've seen the third episode, the most recent one that involved the gargoyle, they kind of dropped a little nugget information about Caroline. So uh, I think as the season progresses, we will um, we'll see. She, I think she'll show up at some point. Uh, see, my favorite thing about that specific episode was the return of. Well, wait, was it that episode or was it the previous one? Having With Jeremy, Jeremy, having Jeremy back was a nice touch. If they would turn, if they would turn Jeremy into a rogue sort of hunter that comes and goes every few episodes, I would be really on board for that because it was great to see Jeremy back. Yeah, and yeah, and that that was the episode with the gargoyle. Um, that was the one where Jeremy Jeremy was keeping an eye on. Um, um not to. Not to disagree with you, but I thought that Jeremy returned for the episode where the two boys were on the run and he saved them. Was Correct, and that's the th- that's the third episode. That's the one with the gargoyle as well. That is the one with the gargoyle. Boy, a lot happened yes. in the gargoyle episode because it was almost maybe, yeah. maybe I was just too distracted by Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> because but. because it felt like and that was one of the things I did notice about the gargoyle episode. I was like, this episode is like going and going and going and i pressed pause and i noticed that it was i was only 30 minutes into it and i thought of an entire episode had already taken place so maybe that's why i felt like i i had a disconnect between jeremy and the gargoyle yeah i mean it it did feel like really weird about you know the the cuts i think were a little strange because you had um hope and Josie, you know, doing community service, and then you had this gargoyle attacking the school, and then you had Jeremy, Landon, and I think the other boy is Raphael, the three of them. So there was, it was, I can understand why you felt like there was this, this episode was going on and on and on. Um, I, I yeah, it, but Overall, I really, I really am. In, I'm glad that it's been picked up for, I believe, 16 episodes. So um, we're going to get three more than the in, in the initial order. Um, I don't think it needs to go to 22, to be perfectly honest. No, I think uh, they're doing no. a good job, and they have enough shows in the pipe. Speaking of shows in the yeah. pipe uh, at the CW, I took Charmed off my DVR this last week. I started was five (laughs) to seven minutes in on the most recent episode. And I was just like, my time is too valuable to watch this. I just can't. I will give it a chance on season two. If it gets a season two, I hope it doesn't get a season two. I will give it another chance. Maybe they'll do some sort of soft reboot the same way legends of tomorrow did. But I just felt like I was either going and having teeth pulled without anesthesia or something watching the episodes. And I was like, okay, I gave it a try. I gave it two, if not three, maybe the start of the fourth episode. I can't do this. 
Has there been any show like that for you guys this season? Well, I was going to say about Charmed, it's been given 22 episodes. It's been picked up for 22, a full season of 22. Ooh. And oh. and the probability, if if so, if you follow people like the TV Grim Reaper on Twitter, uh, he 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 does a lot of um ratings and so forth, and just try. He believes he believes that Charmed, based on its its numbers, will probably get a second season. So. You may be in for the. It's maybe here to stay. Meanwhile, so. Legends is not getting such hot ratings. That scares me. But especially given how good the show has been, it's been very creative this season. The like, the fairy godmother, the going to England. Oh. I mean, it has been very creative and imaginative, and I love that this show has so much fun with itself. Right. Oh, and Constantine has been doing so well as a member of the team and they've actually found an interesting way to use Zari which the previous season they didn't like she was kind of just like a add-on character that didn't have a lot of depth whereas right now she's actively doing things she's involved in things like she established these relationships and all of this stuff I also really really like Sarah trying to balance all of these people as if she's never done this before, but every year there's like a new wrinkle to everything. So she's constantly having to change her leadership styles and she's so good at it. She's, she's just, ah, I am missing cold though. Oh my gosh. Am I missing? I really need some overacting. Leonard yeah. Snart. Yeah, you really <laughs> like it 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 becomes very apparent when so without with, Jax with, and Professor Stein, it it sort of turns into okay, who's gonna fix the ship when time comes? Well, and it's and I think for me the biggest part of it is Rory. Yes. Rory without cold is yes. Not that he's any less great as a character. It's just that he hasn't recreated that kind of a really amazing dynamic with any of the rest of them. And yes. so it's more about what's like not there than anything that he has changed. Yeah, I I would agree completely. He sort of devolves into like Lurch almost from. Um, oh, gosh. What was that old sitcom? Lurch. Mm-hmm. Adam's family is is that Adam's family or was that the uh, the other one? The monsters. The monsters. Yes, it was the monsters. It was the monsters. Thank you. Where like he he has this dynamic with everyone, but he never really opens up in a way that like feels meaningful. And I, as much as I enjoy the Time Bureau, I'm really gonna need Nate to like get back on the ship get back on the ship and I don't need to deal with Gary. Like they focus Gary way is too much. great in small doses, but he's on way too much. He is on so much this season. And I oh don't need gosh. to know another thing about his nipple. Yes. No. I, I don't need to know about his nipple. I don't need to know about his dynamic with the lady that comes to hand out tacos on Mondays. 
I don't need to know that like he wanted to like get a plant to spruce up the office. I just like these are things that are just completely inconsequential. And as good of a character as he is, you can't have him doing this all the time. Right. You can't. Yeah. Oh. So I'm wondering if, if but I feel like that the relationship between the legends and the time bureau it's sort of weird and I, I i was hoping that it would be very simple at this point that they would be freelancers for the time bureau yeah and it and that would and, and my and i feel like that would just simplify a lot of things and eventually and and again i agree with you but i i hope that bureau, bureaucratic the bureaucratic version of hank um gets ditched and he gets back to the ship now in terms of like going back to what you all were saying about mick and just finding a partner for mick i think they've been testing ray and hank with uh mick rory um wait uh, hank what hank haywood no yeah but Nate Haywood. Nate, sorry, Nate. I'm getting my. I meant Nate, not Hank. Sorry, I'm getting my Haywards mixed up. But yeah, <laughs> but so so Nate has been being been tested with Mick Roy. If you, um and and so have Ray, and they've done that even this season where you know they had the episode where uh, Nate and and uh, Rory broke into uh, Nate's parents' house. Yeah. Um. And I and I. If, I don't understand why they didn't link it back to his grandfather. Why didn't they bring up Hank? Because that's really weird. I would think at that point when they introduced Nate's father, they would have brought up Hank. Well, I, I'm just surprised from the perspective of Nate's father learns everything about the Time Bureau because he's the representative that deals with the, the military budget. So once he's in on that aspect, why doesn't Nate have a beer with him and be like, look, I was hanging out with Grandpa, and this is all that went down. Because um, I feel like that would be like this really powerful scene where like an old school dad is given the opportunity to open up to his son who's trying to like appeal to him emotionally through his father who wasn't around because he had previously died. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm like that you have the platform to do this. Now I will say they have been testing through the rivalry of Constantine and McRory. I could see once that rivalry fizzles out into a common bond, those two becoming a dynamic because mm. those are both fire-based people. They both like drinking and they like sports and they are very, very honest in what they're thinking. Um, so I have a question for you guys. Yes. And this is, you're going to have to go with me on this journey for this question. I apologize in advance. But did either of you ever watch Ally McBeal? No. I did. I did watch a little bit of Ally McBeal here, McBeal here and there. Okay. So for those who may not have watched it, Ally McBeal was a legal drama dramedy on Fox. And it started out very wonderful. And... Allie McBeal had some quirks, and every character had some quirks. And 
they all just sort of really worked together. But as the see, the show's run aged, the quirks just became over the top and it almost became too much. I feel like with Legends this season that we're sort of on the verge of hitting too much. I there's too much Gary. Ray is really weird this season. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And then we have Mick, who's sort of doing bad boy comedy opposite of Constantine. And Constantine's pretty stable. But, like, you start going down the list, and now we have... They brought back the actress who played Amaya in the most recent episode as a shapeshifter. And it's not to say that any of it is bad bad independently it's just that combined i feel like we're really close to this show having so many characters the quirks of all these characters being becoming too overpowering for the show's mythos i am totally on board for unicorns that turn into demons stabbing and biting off nipples if the person with the nipple who's bit is bit that's bitten off does not show up in every episode and it become a joke. I'm totally okay with Ray having like issues with helping the villain from the previous season get away if there's some grounding in it. But no, he's in the episode with the shapeshifter where he's then having these like second thoughts about what he should do with his team and while I'm enjoying Legends, I feel like there should just be a word of caution added that too many quirks can be a bad thing. And I could be completely wrong on this, but that's sort of how I felt this last episode. I felt like, oh, just rein it in just a little. Bring it back in just a little. I, I'm i on board with everything that you're doing this season, but just rein it in a smidge. You know what's part of the problem, and it, it it's very apparent when you start looking at the other CW shows. Legends doesn't have fight scenes, like not really. Like we, they they sort of like maybe punch one guy to knock him out, and then Constantine will open up a portal to hell, and there's going to be some quips, but that's kind of it. Like, you know, I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. And I think that the possible the reason for that is they would have to do so much choreography to get everybody to fight at once. Yeah, yeah. I think as a oh, sorry. I, I no, gonna, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say that. Yeah, Luke, I, I agree. It's a it's a I think it's purely a budget thing. Um, if you remember the second at the finale of Legend's second season in which they were fighting against um uh, Zoom, the Reverse Flash, uh, Malcolm Merlin. Yep. Um, when yep. they had the double game, I mean, that was a huge undertaking in terms of a fight scene because that you had the legends, two versions of the legends, and so forth. And we really haven't seen anything even approaching that. I feel like I there's say. a lot of getting knocked out. Yeah. In legends, there's yeah. not any actual fighting. Yeah. Yeah. But per, for me personally, my one of my problems with legends um is and like you said i'm enjoying the absurdity 
is that I don't feel like it's necessarily as grounded in the DC Comics mythos like the other shows. Um, and I think, not to say that they can't take liberties with the characters and so forth, but I feel like that's kind of what it's part of what's missing. Because um, the other shows are doing that, doing that very well. And I just... I just wonder if it, Legends is really about just trying to build this its own thing that 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 isn't necessarily uh, was originally part of the DC u- universe. I I'm sort of seeing like a common theme between all of the CW superhero shows, at, especially this season, where they're sort of drunk on whatever they do really well. For Legends, oh, see, it, I would agree with you that. Well, okay, let's. Can we clarify this for all the CW superhero shows? Because I feel like by its nature, Black Lightning is just completely separate, even though it's a superhero show. I agree 100% and also feel like they're too early in their run to really know what know what it is they do super well whereas the other four oh see that um, that's actually what i think is the exact opposite i think that black lightning okay. knows itself perfectly and is sticking okay. to it i feel okay. like with these show with the other shows they they've all got such large casts that they each end up like think oh there's a great reaction to this let's do more of this and then there's a backlash and then they're like oh wait we need to do something else and so they go to something else does that make sense but maybe but continue with your thought i i was just gonna say like legend for legends it's like the absurdity it's the humor it's all of the wackiness with the mystical whatnots and the time travel uh, with Arrow, it's super dark. It's like we're doing flash forwards now instead of flashbacks. We're we're in prison. We're you know things are happening. The the villain's still on the loose. With Flash, it's like oops, Barry didn't do it this time. It's Barry's daughter. But see, She's I actually think up the- I actually think that the Flash is more grounded this season. Hey, I agree with I agree with Luke, and it feels like this fifth season of the Flash in some way is kind of like the fifth season of arrow in which their children Barry Barry's daughter now is kind of been introduced. She is part of the main thrust of the plot and the same as with the fifth season of arrow in which, uh, William sort of kind of was, was, was part of a lot of the plots, even though he was a small child. Um, but I do think that the Flash is still grappling with too many characters and trying to make sure that there are things for every character to do almost every episode. Yeah. And then with Supergirl, it's it, it, it's a lot of trying to grapple the larger themes of this season of relevance and social justice and immigration of both alien and alien culture into America and trying to marry what it means to be American and what it means to be a, a person human or alien alike. Um, it, it, it's a lot of what they're, 
like what they've been really good at, but just like expanding on it even further. And See, I, I just feel the exact opposite with Supergirl. Okay. Really? I feel like Supergirl this season is flailing. Not not in the social con- socially conscious portion of it in terms of the subtext and theme of the immigration. I actually think that that's its strongest point at the moment. But I feel like all of your major characters are flailing. I feel like Supergirl is flailing. I feel like Jimmy, who has never been my favorite, is flailing. I feel like Alex is flailing. And John is certainly like maybe flailing's the wrong word. I'll put it better this way. I really hate the hated the seasons of the walking dead where they didn't have the group together and they sent them all off on separate things and it was disjointed. And that's what I feel like Supergirl is this season. I feel like everybody is off in their own little thing. There's very little actual cohesiveness and I, for me, I'm like, it is, it is below Arrow. I will watch Arrow before I watch Supergirl. And that for me, considering everybody who's listened to this podcast knows how much Arrow can like drive me insane. Supergirl has dropped to the bottom. Like I will watch Legacies. I will watch Supernatural. I will watch Black Lightning, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow before I watch Supergirl. That's how like, di- like just unenamored i am with supergirl this season well luke i'm i'm coming at it as a totally different perspective i feel like supergirl is building upon the themes and the plots that that it it kind of talked about in the first season when it was about the alien of the week and the deo picking up uh arresting aliens and so forth and i feel like it's taken the things that have happened in the previous seasons, whether it's the Daxamites or the rogue Kryptonians or the Kryptonian witches. And it feels like we're getting a season in which we're seeing the consequences of that. And again, we're looking at it through a social justice lens that, and and a lens that we're currently things that we're currently having to deal with in this country about immigration and, and, and so forth. And I, I think it's, it's, it's really doing a good job, but I can see where you feel like the characters are very uh, segmented or separated, but I think that that's a consequence of the the pre how the previous season ended. Again, you naturally were going to have John on this quest to find out who he he is, trying to live up to what his father's expectations plus what his own expectations are. So I can kind of see why you got him segmented. Well, naturally, Alex has stepped up into the limelight, and so she's running the DEO, but she kind of is is not really sure how she should go about doing it. She's trying to do it John's way, but again, if you remember how the the last season of the Supergirl, they talked about the DEO trying to move away from from lethal weapons into non-lethal weapons. So she's kind of dealing with the consequence of that. When is gone. You're dealing with Brainiac 5 being there, and Brainiac 5 is an adjustment. Um, and I think Kara, I feel like, in my, is really coming... She doesn't feel like she's being shackled by a relationship by Monel or anything. She's stepping into her own. Um, I, I personally feel like this has been a strong season for this show so far. Um, that episode where you, where you had... Um, Ben Lockwood, the guy who becomes Agent Liberty, I thought that was a really powerful episode. And the way it was, it shows you how someone who didn't really, 
thought the aliens were fine, but then when it started impacting his life, it kind of changed him and turned him into See, someone who hated the aliens. The immigration story, and for him, is fantastic. And if you've yeah. never watched him in Being Human, sci-fi, the American sci-fi version of Being Human, you should, because he is really good in that show. The, and So like I'm saying, the immigration plot line, I get that as a through line, and I think that it is a strong through line. I just feel like there's something about all these characters that is not falling into place for me. But Dan, what are you thinking? Uh, I kind of agree more with you, Luke, than uh, with Mo. Although I'm not I'm not ready to write off the show as a whole. I'm just more like flailing was a kind of a really good word to use because I I kind of see it too where everyone is so segmented and so frazzled with their new roles in this new dichotomy that's been set up and no one really knows how to function within it yet, quite yet. Um, I, it's really hard for me to believe that Lena is still in the dark. It, it's really hard for me like, I was really happy that Jimmy went out as Guardian the other day because it was really hard for me to be like, yep, he's hanging up his his, uh, his shield. And to see Jean be like, no, I'm going to be peaceful now and not. But, like, you're seeing the cracks of that also, and I'm hoping it continues to crack because we shouldn't be deprived of Martian Manhunter. Like, well, we, we just should. Let's face it. We don't get Martian Manhunter most episodes anyway. So, I mean, what's but, really any new with that? That well, is very a, true. Well, I'm going to say that's a budget. That's a budget thing. So I, I, I kind of look at it as you can't have John, you know, green every episode because or or in, in large portions of episodes because of the budget. So, I, I mean, I give him that. That's that's fair. That's fair. I just I and the 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 time in which it's running right now isn't necessarily helping like me really connect with what is going on and what the characters are going through. I really, really enjoy the immigration storyline and the themes of that se- the season. And I really like the episode with uh, Ben turning into agent Liberty and what caused him to get to that point in his life. Um, I just, it's one of those things where I, I, I need something to change drastically because it's gotten so bad that like Brainy's starting to annoy me and he was really good. Last he was season. the bright spot of last season, but this season it is there's some like that's part of it. It, none of it fits. Like it's all, it's, it's like putting together a puzzle, but just having the wrong, trying to fit the wrong piece to get with the puzzle. And it feels I, like it's that way with every character. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, and it's so interesting that the wrong puzzle pieces are involved in Supergirl because over an arrow, it's almost as if they don't have enough puzzle pieces. What's interesting about arrow and listen, everybody who's listened to this podcast and my co-hosts know I am not an arrow fan. I watch it, but there's very little about the characters that actually makes me excited. But 
other than my confusion over the fla fa fa <laughs> flash forwards. Yeah. It's been a pretty strong season. I'm liking Oliver in jail. I am liking Felicity trying to get back her man. I don't understand the flash forwards, but I'm curious as to why Roy is back. And I'm always happy to see Roy. So I want more Roy. I want present day Roy. I'm hoping Roy is in the green hood. Well, and I'm, and I don't think it is either, but I'm also one, like I'm liking how we have the various canaries in different roles within the police department and the, like the DA's department. I'm liking those elements of it. It's solid this season. I, other than that, my confusion for the flash forwards, I feel like Arrow is having a solid season. It isn't like standout, but it's really solid. See, I, I'm having problems with those Zombo hunters. See, uh, I, yeah, they're not my they favorite villain either. They're not my fa favorite villain. I, if they're gonna do a full out outsiders war, it. <sighs> It's it, it's a tough sell with this current makeup of the cast. You know, you read the long or the Outsiders War, right? Uh, yeah, I know well, which. Were, yeah, 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 I know which one. That new Fifty Two storyline. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know what you're referring to. It's really hard to do without like Thea in like the Emiko role, and maybe also um, like Robert Queen and Shadow. Like it, like there are certain roles that are really important to having, like to making the longbow hunters and Richard Dragon, aka Ricardo Diaz, work to transcend it. And right now, they're only taking bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I feel like if you could, if you could bring, I think Malcolm Merlin would would could be used, utilized to substitute that was for Robert. Just Queen. what I was gonna say. I, yes, this, this season is missing Malcolm. Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh my god. Can you imagine doing Robert Queen, having Thea, and then doing the Longbow Hunters and the Outsiders War with this? Oh, that would have been See, so I don't, good. But I, I think uh, the, the thing about it is, is I don't think we're getting Thea back. So that's one of those things where you just have to come yeah. up with an alternative. So like to even speculate about Thea seems pointless. Malcolm coming yeah, back right. just because of John Barrowman being willing to work pretty much anywhere. And I love him no matter where he goes. I don't care. He could, he could be worked in realistically, but I, but like, i sort of feel like Thea is in the Roy land where Roy went for several seasons. He's not coming back. We might see Thea when the show wraps, we might see her in the final season, but we're not getting Thea back anytime soon. We really aren't. And it's, I, it, these flash forwards just keep getting more and more confusing because we're, we're supposed to believe Renee has allowed Zoe to become a vigilante. Well, like Renee, is it allowed? I mean, uh, I think if there's anything that we've learned with any of these superhero shows, especially black lightning, the parents end up having very little say in whether or not the children's decide to become vigilantes. That's true. That's true. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, we're already at the next generation of vigilantes. So let me ask this you this. Is... Do you think that they're setting a spinoff, an Arrow spinoff up 
if like if because Arrow's been around a long time, it's not unreasonable to think that they might be starting to think Endgame and what they're going to do with the franchise. Do you think it's possible that they this could be like establish it this season, flesh it out next season, and spin it off? Yeah, I I do believe that this is. I think they're thinking in terms of Endgame. I think that, or at least starting to. Um, because what it would, we're on season seven, right? This, I, I yeah, this look. is season seven. Yeah, this is season yeah, this seven. Is seven. There's not yeah. a lot. I mean, there are shows that hit ten, but there's not a lot of shows that hit ten. So, it would not surprise me if we get maybe one, maybe two more seasons of Arrow. But I would not be surprised if next season. And this is just purely my speculation. I know nothing. I would not be surprised if next season was the final season of Arrow. And they spin it off with the new cast. I mean, it, this is yeah, yeah, that's I mean, fair. It, it yeah, it. I think it depends a lot on how the ratings do for the other shows to see how much they want to shift to a proper endgame. Because I feel like Arrow is like one of the maybe two shows that they have where they're like, okay, we want to end this show on our own terms. True. The other thing that I think is that there's plenty of characters on that show that could pop up on any of the other shows as recurring characters, and they would be able to end Arrow and still have the faces pop up. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I could easily see Curtis being shifted over to Legends. Oh, that'd be so good. And that would yeah. that would get things fixed. Like there would Legends be someone. There would be more someone. Characters. To, there, Legends does not need more characters. Legends needs more legends. I don't want like more time bureau people. I need more like people actually. No, 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 no. Until we get Wally back, like we need to get Wally back. We need to have cold do a cameo, which isn't going to happen. But I don't know if Wally coming back is ever going to happen. Right. But but I. I still okay of the legends. I like Rory. I like Constantine. I like Nate. I like uh, 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 pardon Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. I love Sarah. But how do I put this? It never feels complete. The cast never feels complete and you have two to three extra characters and that can rotate based on it. Like sometimes there's like Ray is so integral and then other times it's like why is Ray even on this show? <laughs> and so uh, it's, I don't, I don't know that I want to see more characters on legends. I don't mind seeing a new character, but I don't want to increase the size. I would rather us replace some characters and focus on giving the existing characters stronger storylines than to add more on top of the existing cast. What if, like, Jax were to come back, though? Like, someone that we know. But it, but if you bring Jax back at this stage, I think your biggest issue is his powers. What does he contribute at this stage? I mean, he's the, he was the engineer, but in terms of a superpower... Well, and see, but that's what I see. They've got I, to deal with that. That's what I yeah. feel about a couple of the characters. I feel there's at least three on there and even maybe four. If you include Nate, Nate as being the big Hulk type character could totally work, but they're not using him as the Hulk. 
And Constantine, with magic, makes sense. They don't really need to use Nate because they've got Sarah. Rory is there for comic relief and for, like, fancy visuals, which I suppose Constantine as well. But outside of them, what are the real other characters doing? Yeah... It sort of sometimes it sort of feels like Ray is only there out of like an obligation to Team Arrow, like mm. out of some false sense of like, well, he was here since the beginning and he was on Team Arrow, so he's here. So here and here's the other thing: like we've got Nate who could come or go, we've got Amaya who was gone and now back in another form, we've got Zari. I still don't really understand Zari. And she's been on for two seasons. Amaya, I got, but part of her story was like the historic element of it. I'm not sure I understand her as a shapeshifter on anymore. So I'm looking at it. We've got Ray. We've got Nate. We've got Amaya. We've got Zari. Then we've got, and then we've got, uh, then Jerry. we've got Gary. So there's at least and five. Ava. Well, I don't mind Iva, Ava because Ava is a character. Like, she's the big bad boss. You need a yes. big bad boss. So I don't mind that. But Also, Cho has Nora on contract, and we've only seen her in, like, a flashback or, like, a, a something rather. But here's the thing. If you take a look at Legends of Tomorrow, they would have the opportunity to get rid of some characters. And I think it would be interesting to go with a Gideon character. We saw it. You see it in Killjoys with the personality that the AI has on there. You see it in some respects in Doctor Who in terms of how the TARDIS has acted over the years. Dark Matter had an AI in an android body that ran the ship. I feel like if you were going to explore another female character on this show you put Gideon in an android body and let her as an AI go out and experience life that always provides tons of elements for stories I I but I don't know I just I feel like there's five characters that could be swapped out or replaced on on there with other stronger characters as much as I love the show, I agree 100% and feel as though I don't trust the writers to give another comedic element to the show in the form of Gideon as like a cyborg. But I don't think they should do it as a comedic element. Android. I don't think they should do it as a comedic element. If you look at if you look at any number of shows, oftentimes the android just being an android and being serious provides its own form of comedy organically without having to do too much. I think what they probably could have done to solve this is instead of Charlie, um, you sh- it could have been like Gideon in like human form. I mean, like, so you would just take um, the actress, uh, Maisie Richard Sellers just made her Gideon. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think we would have dealt with that. And it would have set up this interesting dynamic because she would be looking like Amaya and people would be reacting to that. Here's the other thing. Yeah. 
here's the other thing that I think that Legends needs, and they could swap out a character. There have been plenty of villains on the show. This show needs some internal conflict amongst the Legends. And there would be no better way to do that than to have one of the villains be a part of the Legends and some of the Legends like them and some of the Legends hate them. I think that's what they're setting up with Nora. I agree. I think that, yeah, but we'd need to see no more Nora. Well, yeah, like, have we even seen her? I mean, look, this season, we're how many episodes in and other than flashbacks? Yeah, there was, yeah. Four episodes in. Four episodes in, yeah. You're you're right. No, no, you're... yeah. Four episodes, uh, yeah. We're three. They've actually done three episodes, and the fourth three one ep- will be this. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you had a Malcolm Merlin on the Legends, all of a sudden, everything about that Legends group changes. Can you imagine Malcolm versus Constantine, Malcolm versus Rory, Malcolm versus Sarah? You have to have some, like, it... Ray as the as the Boy Scout gone rogue does not work for creating drama amongst the rest of the group. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. that was a little absurd. Yeah, it was, and the tattoo was stupid. I'm sorry, the corgi with the mohawk was not cool. It was stupid. It was but, but there's it was but, but at the same time, I love the fact that they're exploring the fantasy side of the DC universe. I love that it's just not superheroes. So Legends is definitely improved over the seasons. I mean, obviously, the first season was terrible, but the beginning with the seasons, second season, it's prog- like each season has gotten progressively better. I just feel like now we're in a stage where it has some identity issues and maybe they'll get them fixed. Maybe they won't, but they've got to really hone and fine tune their cast. I got an idea, Mo, and you you would know more than me, but what about if they're going with the fantasy, the magic element, and they're looking to add a female character that could spice things up and make things more interesting. What about Zatanna? I, I had thought about Zatanna, and I feel like they should have brought Zatanna on by now. I'm hoping, like, as the season goes on, maybe Constantine will touch upon touch on Zatanna because, yeah, th- uh, it just makes perfect sense. It makes perfect team. sense, but I also feel like Zatanna is one of those characters that Warner would want to save for the movies. Really? You, you think so? I mean, Zatanna, she's like I mean, fourth string. No, well, I no, wouldn't give her fourth string. No, no, I would, no, no, I would give her. I would give her second string. And the reason why I would say that they would save her for the movies is because the, well, to be just crass about it, there, she's really hot. She would look amazing on a big screen, and the magic element of her being able to do magic is, with the exception of maybe Mira, it would be one of the like the like one of the obvious female choices for magic in the Justice League universe. Now, granted, Warner Brothers has absolutely no effing clue about how to make a good Justice League universe on screen, but mm-hmm. I feel like Zatanna would just like she's I've I've seen her in too many Justice League like comics over the years. I've seen her in two like the cartoons. She is popular within Warner Brothers 
properties and she pops up enough where I would think, hmm, she's not a list like, say, Oliver Queen, but she's not going if you're not going to put her on a show, then you're definitely going to put her on the movies and maybe you want to save her for the movies. Well, I think at this point, it doesn't matter about they've got duplicates on both. So we're getting, you know, so if we're getting multiple Superman or Supermen, Mm -hmm. I think it it shouldn't be like a stretch for Legends to use Zatanna. If um, by that by that measure, then we should be able to get Batman and we're never. Well, I think that's a that's a whole nother animal. I think that's a rights issue. I think it's a television rights issue with with Batman. I think if I remember some. It's very complicated, and that's a whole nother animal. Um, I mean, Zatanna was on Smallville, so by that measure, I think we should have, we should, they should be considering Zatanna, in in my opinion. The only reason why they shouldn't consider it is if they are truly saving her for like Titans. That's true. I mean, that that's that's another possibility, but um, yeah. With Titans, I mean, in see, there isn't, to my recollection, in terms of like comics, there isn't much overlap with Zatanna and the comics. Um, They did have a character in a Teen Titans comic about ten years ago who was a relative of Zatanna's who was on the Teen Titans, but I. I, I just feel like there, there are plenty of other Teen Titans or Titans characters who would sh- need to show up on Titans before we'd be worried about Zatanna on that show. I'm just saying, just in terms from like a Young Justice angle, like okay, yeah, and and I get you on Young Justice. I'm just thinking when I think Titans, that's I, fair. Yeah, I think Doom Patrol. I know that they've had Doom Patrol on there. That makes sense because of. Uh, Garlo, Garfield Changeling or Beast Boy or whatever you want to call him, his yeah. connections with the Doom Patrol, that makes perfect sense, But and it makes perfect sense to have like uh, other Batman-related characters on that show. Um, but I think Zatanna could be better utilized on Legends, especially now that they've gone the magical route. Yes. Do you think it would duplicate with Constantine? No, because I think... Um, no, there have been plenty of. I think that their their backstory and their dynamic would be interesting. Would could potentially even make. Um, okay, I should rephrase that. I guess what I meant by that is, Constantine seems to be getting a majority of the CGI budget. Oh, okay. I understand what you're saying. Okay. Um, I mean, her. I think. I mean, her powers. It's basically she. She says things backwards, and. I think Constantine just on a vi- to me it feels like Zatanna's never been much of a visual character in terms of how her powers are shown, um, at least in, contem- in contemporary comics. I think um, I-, I think it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, uh, especially I would say if you used her in like small doses. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. You can find Mo at drmo77. Dan is at realdanpierce. And I'm at luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.